So this meditation <coughs> is a important aspect to the way out of suffering. It's that uh, it's the cultivation of um, thought, reflection. So this meditation <coughs> is a important aspect to the way out of suffering. It's that uh, it's the cultivation of um, thought, reflection, and attitude, attention, calm. Sustaining attention, listening in, appreciating, uplifting, encouraging, releasing, relaxing. It's it's a <coughs> essentially it's a way of of reconnecting the body, the heart, and the thinking mind, which are often running at different speeds, different, you know, different directions. You can think of something completely unaware of what's happening in the body. Um, all kinds of uh, powerful mood happening, and yet um, <coughs> not, not find ways of expressing that, talking or thinking about understanding, reflecting on it. Often our daily lives seem to be ones where we are moved into these uh, compulsive habits by activities that mean that the actual here and now of the heart has to be put to one side. Mm. The rhythms of the body have to be overridden. The, the requirements of the heart <coughs> peace or care <coughs> love relaxing brightening cherishing these things these have to be put to one side in order to get on with what we're doing so this means that we do find that <coughs> it's almost like we start to come apart where for a while your mind get, your head gets one's head gets so busy don't really even know what's going on, actually. It's busy with all the manifold things we can think about and be preoccupied with and have to be concerned with and not actually have the chance to connect to what we're feeling or you know, where our central concerns are. You see, if you like, the central concern of all beings is to have a sense of happiness, well-being, however that comes around <clears throat> but when you don't connect to the heart you don't you know you've got that idea happiness and well-being but one forgets what it feels like you don't really understand it you don't really review it and penetrate it and contemplate it and uh, open it up and investigate that what actually is happiness or well-being where does it come from why does everybody want it? And 
ones where people seem to have it for very long. Mm. So we can do all these other things we can do in the world. Why can't we do this th- this thing that <laughs> the most basic thing? <laughs> Why can't we be happy? Yeah. And you see, we kind of doing all these things that we have to do. I presume we're doing them in order that we will be happy in the future, we'll be okay in some way. Happiness, we might be secure, might be um, um, good friends, might have had some interesting things to, um, to talk about or remember, learnt some things that keep us feeling positive, whatever, you know, 101 things there are to, to bring around this basic state of well-being. We get so busy that we've got all the ideas there, but the problem is it's not actually connecting in the here and now to to fundamentally what does it feel like? You know? And you can see that things that made me happy one time aren't making me happy anymore, but I've, I don't even have a chance to recognize that because I'm so busy doing them. I don't have a chance to actually recognize uh, it's actually... This doesn't do me any. I don't feel so good about this. You know, it was interesting once, but I had enough of that. You know, <clears throat> you could say when, if we have a chance to stop and reflect, that there are certain fundamental things that uh, are required for happiness or for well-being, for stopping suffering. And it's uh, these then you want to get that that sense of of that, and then be able to feel it in the body. Let the body take that in, know what it means, be able to understand it, and also to feel it in the heart. Mm. So we say we look around, not just very basically at what sentient beings look for. They look for nourishment, something that they they can get, something they that sustains them, <coughs> enriches them. Take something in that's uh, that's nourishing, enriching. They also look for something that keeps them safe, protected, defended, warm, you know, free from harm. This is what essentially what we look for too. Of course we have a very highly developed system, so nourishment is not just a physical thing. We also want uh, emotional nourishment, we want uh, intellectual nourishment, we want to feel you know, we're in a positive environment, something that's not uh, is giving us as good um, good flow to it, is uplifting, is encouraging, is blessed, is warm, is friendly. Mm. It's something there for me, something worth being here for, something I can take in. Actually, will make life feel worth living. That's nourishment, it, and uh, you know, for us human beings, of course, it's a lot more than the physical. When you're doing some boring thing every day, pointless, boring thing, this isn't sustaining any sense of interest or what's the point of doing this, you know. So 
essentially something that feels alive, where the life is, the vitality is. And you can sense that because uh, if you, you know, whatever the ideas are, you can feel as almost like a, 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 a brightening of the heart when we think of something that's nourishing. And the body tone perks up. Mm. We also, safety, that freedom from attack, uh, there's not going to be um, intrusion, something poking into us, hurtful. Mm. So we often find ourselves not just physically, but also seeking out pleasant company places with our, our refuges, such as this one. You're not going to be uh, abused somewhere or another. Seek out relationships that are nourishing and non-abusive. The third thing that is necessary, <coughs> that is specifically to human beings, rather than other creatures, is we actually all need to let go with a kind of sense of relief of letting go. Partly because our systems seem so so complex and we can remember so much and take in so much that we, we do need to be able to just relax, let go, clear, ventilate, clear away. It's not from hostility, it's just a sense of you know, relaxing, releasing. If we don't do that, we just get so so bottled up because we can hold so much in our minds, in our hearts. So the ability to let go, forgive, start again, be free, you know, move, freedom for the move. Uh, psychologically, our lives can get so dense with all the things, the good things and the interesting things that you've been concerned with and so forth, that letting go becomes a, a real requirement. And it's the hallmark of the <coughs> movement into spiritual domain, is recognizing you get a real f- feeling for the happiness of letting go. Uh, not everybody gets this, uh, obviously. <laughs> or is attuned to it. Uh, but certainly in, in my own life, then, you know, coming across uh, Buddhist monks in, in Thailand who are just walking along with arms bowls and barefooted, going on arms around, and just that, with the robes and bowl, shaven heads. Oh, nice, just to have, a, have so little to live so freely, a sense of, you know, lightness. And it seemed that even when I was only 25, life was already so incredibly dense, super saturated, like a sponge that soaked up so much information of thought and idea and possibility and sensation and mood and so forth, that he drenched. And they just want somebody you could actually wring it out Oof. and have some free space. Uh, a real requirement, not just a, a moral obligation, but a real requirement. And you can see if you focus on these things, you recognize with all of them, 
that they're things which benefit us individually and also benefit us as part of some larger context. No. That is, if we are in, in a situation that's nourishing, nourishing ourselves, we're bright, um, you know, then we're going to be bringing forth that which is good. If you're feeling, you know, bored, fed up, twisted, poisoned, you're not going to be bringing forth anything much good. If you're nourished, then you tend to bring forth that which is good. If you're safe and happy and stable, you bring forth that which is good. If you're, you know, you're not, you're able to let go and release, then you're a lot lighter. So this means that you know, the way we are affects the situation around us. And just imagine if everybody was doing that, what the world would be like, what the planet would be like, is based on these three things. <clears throat> Letting go, renunciation, is... Uh, or English word renunciation in the Pali you have words like chago, patinitsago, otsaga, these words. And in the Buddha, Buddha taught the third noble truth, the truth of letting go, uh, the, the cessation of suffering. He said uh, chago, patinitsago, mutte analeo means the giving up, relinquishment, freedom uh, without hanging on. It's making a very repeated, hitting a particular note repeatedly. You know, this is it, it's this. Chago pati nitsago muti analeo means give it up, relinquish it. You know, freedom, muti, letting no strings attached, analeo. Release. So this is is the way you're you're going to be happy. This is the way you'll feel best. Because it, that sense of, um, when you really explore the sense of that, it's that kind of openness and the, the freedom and the space is really um, delightful. And it's, uh, it's infinite because, you, you know, no matter, you don't have to hang on to it. You can't, it's not something you've got. So it just keep, you know, can keep opening it up. Uh, it comes, so it's a kind of happiness which is a happiness of, re- of relief and ease, like that. And we all need this, and we all do this, you know, in small and larger ways. Everybody here practices like this. You know, you start, we come, we obviously come to a place like this, but even outside of this, there's times we just put things down and stop. Oof, you let go. Or something goes wrong and you can feel the tension building up and, oh well, okay, start again, let go. This is something that we do. You can feel that it's the opposite of that tightening up, which can be irritation or uh, greed, grasping, demanding, um, that kind of uh, sense. It's the discharging is this uh, the unpleasant for to experience that sense of pleasure which comes through non-grasping so it really is a a crucial doorway to understanding the happiness of Dhamma 
So this can be misunderstood because sometimes people, when they kind of get ideas about Buddhism or renunciation, then you come to a kind of more ideological thing that Buddha renounced the world. And you think, renounce the world, it meant the world's no good. Shove off, get rid of it. You know, I'm not going to bother with it anymore. <laughs> and then, you know, monks and nuns, are people who renounce the world, we don't care anymore about what's going on to the rest of every, every, you know, everybody else on the planet. You know, so it, it can sound like that when you, in the way that people use this term. But the Buddha didn't renounce the world. Um, this, you know, he doesn't say that. The phrase connected with the Buddha is the Tathagata. Tathagata has come into the world. A Tathagata has arisen in the world, showing the wailing out of delusion. The Buddha is someone who fully knows the world as it arises and passes and sustains, knows the beginning of it, the ending of it, the release of it, the happiness in it, the danger of it, and so on. He really understands, he knows it. And quite memorably, he said, you can't really become a, a, a summoner unless you have understood the happiness of the world. Because when you understood, this is the happiness of it, it's like this, oh, that's as far as it goes. The happiness associated with hanging on, it goes this far. I've had that, done that. And now there's this. So that doesn't mean, you know, we're um, rejecting something or being judging something. It's just, you know, recognizing if you, if you're going to, you know, to, to give up something, you have to say you have it in the first place. And the world isn't something that one actually has. So, but we can relinquish or release the grasping hold of it with our views, opinions, with liking it, with disliking it. So it's more like that, you know, it's the, the freedom to, to, from views about the world, from holding it um, with, with either with, with favour or with distaste. It's like this. Yeah, this arises, this passes, it's like this. <clears throat> so this means you're actually in a very centred place. The world is something that then moves around you rather than you're running around the world. And so you're shifting to the centre, the central axis of the world, and the world then moves around. And you, so then you actually have the freedom to, to consider well, what, which, which bit you want to engage with at this time, and how do you want to do that? Then, you, then if you don't have letting go, then you've got no place to make a free choice as to how to engage. You know, because you just tend, if you're not, you're reacting, one reacts. So all of us, all of us do let go in order to get some sense of clarity to consider what we're going to do. And in, in uh, so... The Buddha's recommending you pick that that thing up and just develop it, and we'll call it meditation. And with meditation, in taking that, experiencing that um, in the heart, and also experiencing it in the body. 
so that the whole of the system aligns itself that way. So then you to know the world. What do we mean by the world? In the Buddha Dharma, the world is considered all the objects of the sense organs, the mind, all these are considered the world. Every thought is the world. Every every sensation is part of the, the world. It's that which whirls around. So it's called the world. And we're bringing a quality of letting go to take us to the centre of that. So we can find a way to live in, harm, in balance with the world. Because, you know, meditation is, is a practice, <clears throat> so where the, you see how the ideologies can can handle this in the wrong way because ideologically you take one takes letting go as something to cling to it means you have a position that I reject this or I've, and that's an that's a, an idea that's an ideological thing that's associated with clinging because thought is part of the world but so you don't you, you know once you, you create a thought that is part of the world so you create a th- thought about letting go of the world, that, that is part of the world. You've just built it. <laughs> mm. that's, that's what the world is. It's that, you know, there's the world of thought, world of sensation, the world of sight, the world of touch, the world of concept, imagination, all that. Mm. What else is there? Apart from what you can see here, taste, touch, think of, remember, hope for, imagine. What else is there? So we move away from the ideologies and whatever they set up and come into the the practice of that. This is a matter of, of heart, of chitta. This chitta is that which can hold and it can let go. You could do either of those. You can feel that since one can be, because it's to do with volition, you can be motivated towards holding something or you can relax and let go, subside. That, that's, that's heart, that's chitta. And uh, so that can actually can be trained to govern our thoughts. We can think about this, that, and the other, da, 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 or you can get a feeling. Wait a minute, this feels really tight, and you can feel it. You can sense it in your heart, and you can sense it in your body, and then it can be that sense of coming up from the heart. Oh, just relax. What do you need now? Take five. That's it. 
It's like that. Now, in of course, the uh, the deepening of that uh, requires assistance because um, you get kind of stuff that we can we voluntarily hold and we can voluntarily relax. And some things we don't voluntarily hold; we're just held by it. Um, it's involuntary. It's reactive. We get gripped by things. We get gripped by fear, we get gripped by craving, we get gripped by obsessions, and it's it's holding us. And um, these things manifestly uh, are often, we don't have the wherewithal to do that, to release these things. They become habitual. And they become habitual ways in which we function, and they become <coughs> dynamic which means they have a particular energy associated with them um, that almost becomes our, our state of being. So we get particular you know, emotional energies that, that are there uh, and bodily energies. Um, so you, feel, you can feel they become normal to feel slightly tight and, and busy. Mm. Um, to feel slightly anxious. It becomes normal. We don't even th- think it's anxious because we haven't, we haven't really explored it. But if you'd like at any moment, you just ask yourself, do you feel really complete right now? Is everything fine for you right now? Is everything okay? Is, 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 is good? Could it be any better? Then you uh, yeah, I'm okay, I guess. Yeah, probably all right. Which means you're not, you know. And it's, <laughs> but it's something that one has learned to, so a certain sense of resignation, we put up with it. And resignation is a mark of where we considered some stuff just seems completely involuntary. I got, I can't touch this, so I've, I've given up on that. That's the way I am. And that's really sad because. Um, you know, whenever you give up on yourself, something dies. Something is already finished, isn't it? That the openness, the freedom, the possibilities. We decided, no, I, I, it's not going to happen for me. And then it, it's going to shut off. I'll always be like that, alone or misunderstood or whatever it is, and just put up with it. This is where these these kind of karma or the, these habits, uh, which are these kind of programs, become so deeply entrenched, your whole sense of being is held in it. You're almost you're defined by, by what grips us. And there's a, there's a kind of like an emotional um, block to be anything other than that. We can't think a way out of it. We can't imagine what it would be like. And what we often don't recognise is that these, that the bottom line of this holding is, is in, can be found in the body. Certain bodily um, patterns, tensions, energies. Until you sit in meditation, you begin to realise, you know, sense how 
still it's kind of dull and turgid it can seem sitting there going, <laughs> you know what's going on something that you don't have any say over is, is taking over it's almost like being possessed isn't it when you when you come and sit you get the kind of heavy thing just shuts you down what's happened there or it is buzzing away something's really got you going buzzing away zooming away or, or whatever you know and uh, very often we just sort of plug away for a bit of trying to follow some meditation object and then oh well never mind you know because the, we, you know we either give up or we plug on with some sense of duty but actually it's no longer nourishing alive why, why do we do this you know if it's, if it's just if it's like that why why keep doing it to ourselves <laughs> And I think it's sometimes it's just because we we have a kind of like uh, part of the things that hold us is some sense of duty, and and we'll probably give ourselves an even harder time if we don't do it than if we do do it. So sit there and be miserable because at least you're doing your, what you should be doing. Um, and if you didn't do it, then you probably you know have something some other thing in your mind beating you up, criticizing you for not doing it. So you just kind of surrender, resign yourself to a life of drudgery. <laughs> it's particularly kind of, seems quite a powerful um, English or British um, preference, is we're quite good at drudgery. <laughs> we accept drudgery as a way of life mustn't grumble (laughs) what really recognizes that when we 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 when we let go, we may be able to let go of a certain level, but then you come to this kind of stuff that's involuntary. It doesn't let go, it grips, it holds. So you know, to something that actually carries that message in there. And there's any heart, obviously the idea of letting go is quite a simple one. And, um, you know, we can maybe once begin to understand, oh yeah, that sounds good, and I'll do it. Oh, um, <laughs> it's quite so easy. So, is where meditation really is is the art of that. You know, taking that that message, the three messages actually: the sense of nourishment, you know, enrichment, be well, look after yourself, be kind, uh, safety, sense of um, freedom from blame and harshness cruelty, take refuges and then the message of, of letting go which is the, the most powerful message the, the one that goes deepest in a way because this is the one that really unravels the patterns that hold that grip us beyond what we grasp ourselves, the things that we are, we are grasped by 
And it's difficult because some of them see me what I am, you know, um, what I should be and what I'm supposed to be, and I've, it's all learned. Mm. And you, you don't, one doesn't know any other way when it's become deeply learned. We don't, can't imagine being outside of that because that's who I am. It's called the five grasping aggregates. So the very sense of self is like a, is, is a result of that, the particular configurations of what holds us. So, in meditation, then you're using some a means like the uh, breathing, for example. Quite a simple thing, actually. But breathing, the beauty of it is, it is naturally is it is letting go. It is the body lets go when it breathes. It does that to some degree or another? Is degree of it. If you don't let go when you breathe, you stop breathing. <laughs> Something's got to give. <laughs> the, 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 the solar plexus can release to a certain degree. The diaphragm can, you know, relax to a certain degree. The air can be, you know, blown out. That's letting go. It does that. And it does it to good people, bad people, uh, all kinds of people, stupid people, brilliant people. It's beyond self. It happens. It's happening all the time. So it's something to really be able to tune into. And you, you tune into it, you recognize even breathing in is letting go, actually, because you get to the end of the out-breath and everything seems to stop. And then the in-breath begins with letting go, right? You get to that kind of final point of the breath and then let go of that still point. Oh. And it's a letting go, which is like a letting go of welcoming. You know, it's a sense of opening. You know, I'm not closing down, I'm opening up. So, <clears throat> if you can, one of the main themes in Buddhist meditation is to be able to follow that and uh, tune into it. Because, it, you know, if you can unify around that, then the whole system tends to do that. It tends to release, relax, let go of the thought, the thoughts can stop, let go of these compulsive activities, the tensions, even the sense of self can be, and then opening up, breathing in. Of course, the main problem with, or a big problem with it, is we tend to grasp at letting go <clears throat> as an idea, something you should do, and how good are you, how much have you done today, and are you any good at it, and I'm better at it than you are, and so forth, and this is the way to do it, so it's kind of tightening up around it. Um, and then we grasp at breathing in and out, right? 
Breathing in and out is the only way to meditate. Breathing in and out is the best way to meditate. You should do this one, breathing in and out. Breathing in and out through your nostrils, breathing out through your ears, breathing in and out through your belly. Only my way is right, your way is wrong. This is not really, this is a bit tight, isn't it? We're getting a little bit tetchy now. (laughs) And kind of uh, disputes over it. I remember reading a book many years ago, somebody disputing the dispute between the belly watchers and the nose watchers and breathing in and out and how the, the nose watching people felt that breathing, if you contemplated your belly when you're breathing out it might actually severely affect your your health particularly if you're pregnant you know, it might do something dangerous you know, if you've contemplated that putting too much energy down in that part of the body wow so he'd written off, this chap had written off the belly watchers as, as uh, you know, whereas other people really were into their bellies and uh, thought those people were stuck up. You know. <laughs> and of course, the Buddha in his infinite wisdom didn't say anything about watching the nose or the belly or even watching the breath or even watching, <laughs> which is a rather kind of tight activity, you see what I mean? It's kind of what the eyes do when they focus on something, they tighten up to hold a, hold a focus. Well, the Buddha didn't actually teach anything about watching the breath. He said, be aware that you're breathing. <clears throat> thoroughly no breathing in, thoroughly no breathing out. Um, <clears throat> be thoroughly sensitive to it. Pati Sangwedi. You just like sense it, really tune in, feel it, enjoy it, appreciate it, have a nice one. You know, if you want to do it in your belly, fine, nose fine, chest fine, whatever. Um, you know, just have a good, have a good breathe. Mm. And so that we can seems miss the meaning of it really, which isn't that the, the breath, breath itself has got something special that you've got to see in it, because it's just the breath, it's just the breath after all. You know, you can stare at it until the cows come home, nothing's, nothing really is going to happen, or what happens isn't really the point on that level, because you sometimes get so intense in that sense of scrutiny that you miss the heart tone, you know, we go up into a get into a more like a heady state, you know, tight about it. You miss the heart tone, which is this is about letting go, because this is what the body does. Breathing out, it lets go. Breathing in, it lets go. This is what it does. Can you? And that, that's important. This is a vital um, aspect, the vital aspect of spiritual life. Is this? It's not about ideology. It's not about beliefs. It's not about dogmas. It's not about. It's about <clears throat> this sense of opening up to that. What, what's it like? You know. What is the when the Buddha talks about niroda, cessation, the stopping, the letting go, the release? He said, "What is that? Does something happen?" Well, you could say that, but then again, not really. But you feel good, 
It feels good. It's the highest. So this is the, the important feature of it. And rather than, you know, looking at it the wrong way, if we struggle too hard on getting too um, fine-tuned to particular physical sensations, you know, we can miss the main bit, which is this is about letting go. It's about not having to hold it. And we're just using something like the breathing to really take that message right into the body and follow it, follow what the body does. And back that up with the heart, saying, just relax now, let's let that happen. Don't try and make it happen. And you can, as you, as we, as you practice like this, you can contemplate, you can notice over time all the forms of grasping that can come up around that. There's involuntary grasping, the body just doesn't tightened up. Um, it's grasping, trying to get it right. There's grasping at it, trying to form a system out of it. Um, there's grasping at it, um, feeling one's no good at it. So all these ways in which we we start to create ourselves and an it and struggle, they will come up. Meditation is often the experience of trying to get to the good bit or trying to make something happen. Or when's it going to happen? Has it happened? <laughs> Has it happened? And I didn't notice it. <laughs> or if I keep doing this long enough, it will happen, you know. And I don't think it has happened. Oh dear, <laughs> you know, it's like that. This is all the, this is all the, the you know, grasping. Isn't perhaps not the most coarse, violent kind of grasping. But it's this kind of uncertain, nervous, habitual. Um, drudging kind of, drudgery kind of grasping, humdrum grasping. So then, what I recommend is just, you know, to to not get to, to avoid that, that habit above all. But recognize we don't avoid the habit of grasping by just drifting, daydreaming, because you drift into other forms of grasping. You have to have a certain sense of, you know, deepening one's intent. And you, you know, focus, sharpen up everything around this, like a message going into the system, just as you breathe out, trust it, let go. It'll be all right. When you come to the end of the out-breath, don't even try to have another breath. Just let it do what it needs to do. Let it completely finish. And then there'll be a time when it's time to breathe in. The body will know that. It will do it. And it's so something so beautiful about letting things happen and knowing how the system 
happens perfectly without me. Much better without me. And I can enjoy that. I can enjoy me not being here. It's not a kind of blank void or a, 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 some kind of abyss I've dropped into or unconsciousness. It's just the sense of awareness without grasping. And we may find that, we touch into that for seconds at a time, minutes at a time, and feel the enjoyment of that. It's important to have that, allow the enjoyment. Because enjoyment is a, a medicine in meditation. It's the thing that heals us of our fear, nervousness, mistrust, gloom, benighted sense. You know. it, it heals us of our drudgery, enjoyment. And you just have that moment or two or three or four just of just letting it happen and enjoying the way it happens by itself. And as you breathe in, as the breathing in happens, you feel this nourishment coming to you. You don't have to fight for it or win it or deserve it or scheme for it. It happens by itself. That's the that's a very much, even more important message than the enjoyment itself is the fact of where it comes from. It, it's it's there. You don't have to fight for it, or win it, or deserve it, or be that good. Because it's apart from the actual, um, you know, the, the sense of the, the pleasure which is what the Buddha encourages to find this pleasure, even more important that is the wisdom of, hey, this happens without me. This happens, I don't have to be here doing it. And that is the thing that the pleasure in a way temporarily undoes or relaxes the grasping and the wisdom is that which prevents us or starts to encourage it, somehow get the message across, you don't need to do that. So one in a way cleans out the old and the other means that the the fresh grasping is unlikely to occur or occurs much more, much less. A sense of, hey, maybe you could trust your life. Maybe you could trust it. Hmm. Of course, it's a giddying thought because uh, there's a lot of weird and wacky stuff around. But uh, to trust one's life means trusting where the aliveness is, isn't it? Not trusting your life as a, as a, as a series of days or situations, but trust where the aliveness is. The aliveness is where letting go is, where nourishment is, where you're alive where the stability is. And uh, beautifully you can feel this 
having your own body. You're sitting here. And it's once uh, getting the heart to listen to that, pick up that, that tone and come out of the, of the shadow that it's got lost in ignorance. Sadhu Karan Dada Masse Sadhu